You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are now uh, on our second installment. Last week, Pastor Rain uh, basically opened up this. I'm going to appreciate Pastor Rain. Tatlong hari. Can we give him a hand for that? Uh, he basically opened this series and I'm just so happy and I'm just so thankful for the leadership team that we have in this church. We are not lacking in leaders here. And I believe that God has blessed our ministry and our church with great leaders, great pastors, uh, great uh, speakers and preachers of the gospel. And so, um, you know, we, we don't really have to import a speaker from outside to be able to feed uh, the flock. And so, uh, last week we talked about the parable of the sower. And um, I believe uh, Pastor Rain did a great job. If you missed the sermon, once again, go to the podcast. When you talk about this series, we're looking at parables. And how many of you have actually read some parables of Jesus from the Gospels? Okay, There are about 35 different parables in the Synoptic Gospels from, the Matthew, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And a parable is basically a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. In other words, it's an earthly story with an spiritual meaning or heavenly meaning. And so that's what a parable is. So basically, parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. They provide practical illustrations that communicate great spiritual truths. And so last week, we've heard the parable of the sower. And when you talk about the parable of the sower, this is considered to be the grandfather of all parables, the granddaddy. Ito ang lolo ng lolo mo. Parang ganun, okay? This is the lolo of all the parables. Because um, what they're saying is the parable of the sower is one that cannot be missed. It is where everything is hinged on. Parables basically point to illustrate the kingdom of God. And so this uh, parable of the sower is so basic that if we fail to understand this, we might miss out on the spiritual truths on the other parables. And so... There are three elements, just to give us a quick review, three elements in the parable of the sower. First element is the seed. And what is the seed that we've learned last Sunday? It's the Word of God. Okay, How many of you are grateful for the Word of God in your life? Amen. Amen. The Word of God is so precious. The Word of God is not just the Bible that you are holding right now. The Word of God is not just that thing that you have in your iPhone or Samsung, but there is the Word of God. The Word of God is so precious to us. And I am so grateful that in the Philippines, you know, the Word of God is available anywhere. I mean, it's not banned from the Philippines. You can actually bring the Bible, talk about the Bible in the public place, share about the Bible, share your faith, uh, preach to a person uh, in, the, in the coffee house or in a coffee shop, and so on and so forth. In some nations, the Word of God is actually restricted. You cannot just bring a Bible anywhere or else you get to jail. But that's one element, the Word of God. But the Word of God is not just the words in the Bible. The Word of God is God Himself. We know that. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was is God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word of God is Jesus Himself. He is the Word. But then the parable moves on and there are three kinds of soil that the Word of God or the seed is planted in. Remember those soil? Okay, the soil describes the different kinds of heart that we have. Heart condition. 
First kind of soil represents a hard heart. Okay? How many of you had this before? I had a hard heart before. Okay? Look at the person beside you. Tignan mo kung matigas pa lang ngayon. Okay? A hard heart. Second is a shallow heart. A shallow heart, it sprang up quickly, but it suddenly dissipated because of hardships and persecutions. Next is a divided heart. A heart that has been trapped by the cares or the anxiety of the world. And what's the fourth heart? Foolish heart, right? No, no, not foolish heart. Good heart. Good heart is the fourth kind of a heart or the fourth kind of a soil where when you plant the seed, you will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. You know, but as I realized when I was looking at this particular parable, sometimes it's so quick for us to say, I have a good heart and you don't have a good heart. Or maybe you see your neighbor and say that, oh, that guy has a hard heart. My boss has a super-duper, extra-ultra-hard heart. Something like that, okay? And so you classify people having a hard heart. This one has a divided heart. This one has a shallow heart. I have a good heart. But I realize, guess what? From time to time, we can have a divided heart. We don't always have a good heart. Sometimes I would have a shallow heart. And there are times that we have a hard heart. Because it's not about our heart condition. It's about the sower. It's about the gardener, the one who plants the seed that prepares the soil and prepares the heart. He does not only plant the seeds, but I believe the gardener is the one that tills the soil. He is the one that breaks the fallow ground. He is the one that prepares our heart to receive the word. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We will not receive the Holy Spirit apart from Him. That's why we cannot be proud and say, oh, I have a good heart. Lord, I am ready. Anytime. Ready ako, Lord. Ready, good heart. Oh, no. We cannot say that. Because sometimes, we fail even in that thing. It's about the sower. It's about the goodness of God. It's about the grace of God. Ultimately, it's His redemptive work in our lives. And Jesus spoke in parables to bring out the truth about the kingdom of God. Ultimately, when you talk about parables, the parables point to the truth about the kingdom of God. Now, how many of you have heard about the kingdom of God? How many of you are familiar with the kingdom of God? Some people think that the kingdom of God is just the church. It's more than the church. But we're going to talk about that later on. Okay? But the kingdom of God normally starts with the seed. And that's why the parable of the sower is so important to be the first parable that we talk about because it is the most basic of all parables. In Luke chapter 8, verse 9 to 10, it says, And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. In other words, what Jesus was referring to was the parables are meant for two types of audience. The first kind of audience is the believer kind of audience. Now, how many of you are believers here? You're saved. That's why when you talk about the parable, the parable is meant to reveal the secret of the kingdom. And yet there's the other kind of audience. It says, but for others, everybody say for others. They are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. For the unbelieving heart, whenever they would see parables, huh? it would be like it's veiled. It would be so unintelligible for them. Hindi nila maintindihan. 
you know what it means simply because they have not received the kingdom of God in their hearts. Parables are given to reveal his kingdom to his followers and conceal it to those who are indifferent. How, how many of you are followers of Jesus? Praise God. I believe that as we go through this next seven more weeks, He will open up our eyes and open up our hearts to really listen to what He wants to reveal about His kingdom. In summary about the first week, Jesus wanted all His disciples to know that the secrets of the kingdom of God starts like a what? A seed, which is the Word of God, which must come in good soil for it to have fruit. It doesn't have to end with the planting. A sower is always expecting a harvest. Amen. When God plants a seed in our hearts, He is expecting something in return. And what is the fruit? Transformation or repentance. In other words, when you receive the Word of God, you are never the same again. Amen. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you have changed. <laughs> yeah, okay? For the good, huh? for the good. Hindi yung, nagbago ka na. Hindi ganun, okay? For the good. Okay, you've changed for the better. Not perfect, but for the better. Now we're gonna look at the second parable. Actually, these are two parables clumped into one. And we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 13, verse 18 to 21. I'd like everyone to stand as you read from God's Word. And I'd like to read it first from the ESV, and then later on, I also would like to read it from another version, the NIV. Okay? In verse 18, it says, He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? Let's read all together. Verse 19, It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took, and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. Maybe some of you are wondering, Ano ba yung leaven? Okay, so we're going to read it from the NIV version this time. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. And then he, again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for the preaching of your word this afternoon. We thank you for the word of God that is alive, living, and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It judges our thoughts and attitude of the heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the word, living God, that is planted in our hearts. So once again, we ask that you would open up our hearts today. And my prayer is that our hearts would become good soil and good ground today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. So here we see that there are two objects in the parable. The first object is what? A mustard seed. And the first object, uh, the second object is yeast. Now, how many of you are familiar with a mustard seed? How many of you have seen a mustard seed? What's a mustard? You've seen mustard, right? You spread it on your hot dog and hamburger. But a mustard seed is actually a small seed. Okay? And I was 
fortunate to be able to bring some home from Israel, but I, unfortunately, I forgot to bring it here in church. Okay? It's too small anyway for you to see it, but I have some pictures there. Yeast, actually, on the other hand, is also something that is very small. But both objects here, I believe, are transformational in nature. And the whole object of the parable is, though they are two different stories and two different parables, they point to the same thing. That the kingdom of God normally starts small. Everybody say small. Now, I believe many times we always like big things. You know, if you go to McDonald's, for example, or if you go to Burger King, they always ask, do you want to go big time? Or do you want to make your fries large or, you know, super large or something like that? How many of you take the bait? More, you know, larger means more calories. But anyway, so we want things large. But the kingdom of God is the total opposite. The kingdom of God always starts small. There's always seemingly insignificant beginnings when you talk about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus was asking his disciples, what is the kingdom of God like? And what shall I compare it to? People think that the kingdom of God is limited to the church. That the kingdom of God is actually coming to church. You know, I am part of the kingdom of God. Something like that. Or I am, you know, the kingdom of God is here. Because when Jesus said in Mark chapter 5, verse 15, He said, uh, the time has come and the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe the gospel or repent and believe the good news. What He's saying is the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom of God? The truth is the kingdom of God is everything where God rules. His dominion. When you talk about the kingdom, what we're familiar with the kingdom is, you know, for example, the kingdom of uh, Saudi Arabia or the kingdom in England. Okay? We're familiar with monarchies because we see earthly monarchs or earthly kingdoms. And in a kingdom, there are four elements. One is there's a king. Second, there's a law or a uh, rule in the kingdom. Third, there are subjects in the kingdom. Can you imagine? How can you have a kingdom if you're the king and there's no subject? You're traveling alone, okay? Normally, in a kingdom, there's a king and there are subjects. And the last element of a kingdom is there is territory or there is domain or there is sovereignty, okay? So that's what the kingdom is like. Similar to the kingdom of God, there is a king, there are laws, there are subjects, that's us, and there is a territory. The question is, what is the territory of the kingdom of God? Is this a visible kind of a kingdom? Because when he was talking about this in the Jews, in the mind of a Jew, if you're talking about the kingdom, we had a king before. His name was King David, and we had a kingdom, and our Territory extends beyond Euphrates and we've actually extended beyond you know, uh, the Jordan River. And we know our territory and we divided our kingdom uh, into 12 tribes. And eventually there were two kingdoms or something like that. And so in their mind, it's a physical kind of a kingdom. It's a political kind of a kingdom. But what is Jesus referring to when he was talking about the kingdom of God? It was something that is invisible to the naked eye. It is something that if you are not aware of it, you might miss it. Because it starts so small, but yet the impact 
is so great. And that is so why that is the reason why many people probably miss out on the kingdom of God. They probably think that ah okay, if you just go to church, you're already part of the kingdom. Guess what? You can go to church all your life and miss out on the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is not just coming to church on a Sunday. The kingdom of God is where His dominion and uh, sovereignty and rule is in our lives. My question is, after this service, will you sleep here tonight? Or how many of you are going back home? All of you. How many of you are going to work tomorrow? How many of you are praying for the typhoon to, to go? Okay, I'm not yet done. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we've, we've prayed for that this morning. I, I believe that's why it's actually weekend. Okay, so if you're going to work tomorrow, guess what? You are bringing in your work the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not anything that is just religious. Because sometimes you think that the kingdom of God is, okay, that's where God rules and that's where God dwells. Guess what? If you are a Christian... The kingdom of God is in you right now. Amen. And wherever you go, there you are. No, no. Wherever you go, you bring the kingdom of God with you. You bring the presence of God with you. The kingdom of God, in other words, is the redemptive rule or reign of God in Christ. It is rule or reign because when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about authority, we're talking about sovereignty, we're talking about uh, domain. It is redemptive in this phrase because it is used to describe how God is asserting His authority in the redemption of sinners through the work of Christ on the cross. In other words, you can never be part of this kingdom unless you are redeemed by the cross of Christ. You become part of the kingdom the moment that you get saved. Remember the story in John chapter 3 when this Pharisee named Nicodemus asked Jesus one night and secretly he met with the Lord and he asked him, teach me about the kingdom. And, he, and Jesus plainly said in John chapter 3 verse 3, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What is Jesus referring to there? And, and Nicodemus was a bit confused. How can an old man go back to his mother's womb and be born again? What? That's gross, right? <laughs> but that's how he perceived it to be. How can I be born again? I was born, you know, how can I be baby in the park? But Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And he was referring to a spiritual kind of birth. And what he's saying, what he's saying is, therefore, be born again if you want to be part of the kingdom of God. Now, how many of you are born again? Amen. You are part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Give you the Lord praise for that. The kingdom of God is beyond the denomination of the church. When you become born again, you are not a part of victory. You are a part of the body of Christ. Yes, you are. This is your local church. We don't really have a membership roster, if you are aware of that. People are asking, so Victory, but may membership roster. Actually, we don't even check attendance. We don't even know if you are here last Sunday or not. We're not going to go to your house and collect your tithes and offerings because you were absent last Sunday. 
That's not the way we do things. But the kingdom of God is really beyond the church. The church is part of the kingdom of God. Plus more. The kingdom of God is really where Christ dwells and rules. Some of the other scripture about the kingdom of God is Matthew 6.33. This is probably some of your prayer requests or prayer uh, memory verse. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Some people think, okay, if I go to church and if I serve as an usher and if I sing in the music team and if I give my tithes and offerings, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Yes, that is true, but it's not limited to that. Seeking first the kingdom of God or seeking first His righteousness, what does that mean? It means that we are not to worry about all these things, but we are to seek and submit to the redemptive rule and reign of God in every area of our life. If we submit to the rule and reign of God outside the church, even in our workplace, even in your school, even in your marriage, even in your personal finances, even in your gym. As you go to the gym tomorrow, and as you look at the mirror and say, wow, I like what I'm seeing. The kingdom of God is there. And as you seek the kingdom of God, guess what? All these things will be given to us as well. And I hope that God will somehow give us a divine illumination of what the kingdom of God is. We are not limited to the church. Amen. It is more than the church. The church is, I believe, God wants to use the church as salt and light. God wants to use us as the mustard seed. He wants to use you as the yeast in society. Amen. Wherever you are, you are impacting all other people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 talks about how we ought to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. What this verse or this prayer is saying is that the, the kingdom of God is perfect in heaven. What we're praying is, Lord, may your perfect kingdom in heaven be done here on earth. But yet Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here already. Now, how many of you now are confused? If it is here, why are we praying? Because it's here, it's already, but not yet. How many of you have heard of that? Already, everybody say, already, but not yet. The kingdom of heaven is already here, but it's not yet fully manifested here in this world. It's fully manifested in heaven. It's already here, but not yet. Uh, the time is fulfilled. And this is what I'm referring to. The kingdom of God is at hand. Re- repent and believe in the gospel. It's already here, but not yet. The fullness of the kingdom of God will be realized when Jesus returns in His second coming. That is really what the kingdom of God is. Like. The kingdom is here. And I'm just laying down a foundation for us because it's so important for us to know that as we move on further in our discussions in the the, uh, future weeks, that we have a good foundation understanding of what the kingdom of God is like. The king is here. How many of you know that Jesus is here with us? Jesus is in our hearts. The moment that you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and King, His kingdom is in us. And His kingdom 
is constantly advancing everywhere we go. There is a transformational aspect of the kingdom of God that is illustrated in the mustard seed and in the yeast. So what is the kingdom of God like? Very quickly, number one, it is small beginning, but not insignificant. Small but not insignificant. The kingdom of God may have started small, but it is not insignificant. Outwardly, the kingdom grows from an, a small beginning to an extravagant end. And inwardly, the kingdom permeates every facet of our lives and every corner of the earth. Let's read from Matthew chapter 13. We've read uh, Luke chapter 13 a while ago. But this is a different take of Matthew uh, when he talked about the mustard seed. He said, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is what? The smallest of all your seeds. He added this thing. It is not just a small seed, but he said it is the smallest of all your seeds. And if you haven't seen a mustard seed, this is how it looks like. Ah, parang pamintayan, pastora. Smaller than a paminta. Smaller than a, uh, you know, a pepper. Okay, that's where it is. Okay? It's a small seed. A mustard seed is not really the smallest seed today. In fact, there are smaller seeds than the mustard seed, mustard seed. But it was the smallest seed used by the Palestinian farmers and gardeners during the time of Jesus. It will take about 750 pieces of this mustard seed in order for you to have one gram of mustard seed. That's how small it is. But when you plant this mustard seed, it becomes a great tree, which will actually have a height of about 10 to 12 feet in height. What an amazing, you know, seed. Small things, okay, or, or great things come from small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You know, when Jesus was actually choosing his disciples, they were not people of prominence. You know, he was calling carpenters and uneducated people, tax collectors, hated by everybody, a zealot. You know, if you are uh, forming your own corporation, you'd probably not hire Peter or Andrew or James or John, son of thunder. You know why they're called sons of thunder? They have a loud voice. They always like fight. Even, you know, they were fighting, you know, with, uh, you know, who gets the right and the left side of Christ. You know, these are people who probably are not qualified if you're hiring them and the HR director might decline them. But the point of Jesus is this. It's not about the big things or the great things. He wants to have small beginnings. And he entrusted the church to them. That when he was about to leave in a few years, he is basically saying, okay guys, take charge and continue to do the work that we've started. Everything in the kingdom happens in seed form. Everything. It's so small, you don't even notice it. But if you look at a seed, everything that this seed that needs to grow is found in that seed. Uh, in, in the, in everything that a seed needs in order to be a tree is already found in that seed. In other words, someone said, you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can never count the number of apples in a seed. Did you get that? In other words, if you plant an apple seed, you will not be able to determine how many apples will come out from that apple tree because after the first harvest will come another harvest the next year and another harvest and another harvest. It all came from a single seed. 
and the kingdom of God is just like that. Everything happens in seed form. Can you imagine this single little seed? It's unnoticeable. It's unremarkable. It's unimpressive. There's slow growth. You know, people nowadays, we want everything fast, right? You want things instant. You have instant noodles. Uh, nowadays, they have instant wedding. You know, you go to the internet. Uh, they have everything instant. Okay, instant coffee. Remember the day when we used to have dial-up uh, internet? Do you remember that day? You, when you actually plug your, your, your telephone and then you do that. You know, I, I hate that sound. Because the internet then was so slow and nowadays we have fiber optics. We have, uh, you know, fast internet. There's not just you know, 100 Mbps, now they have 1 Gbps. And yet, people are still saying, ang tagal-tagal namang mag-download. <laughs> because we want everything fast. But that is not what the kingdom of God is like. It's not about fastness. You cannot see things happening instantly. It's unnoticeable. It's unimaginable. Maybe some of you are praying for your family. And nothing's happening. And you've sown seeds there. Guess what? It's in seed form. Unnoticeable. It's unremarkable. It's unimpressive. You don't see it, but something is happening behind the scenes. Amen. And that is what's happening in the kingdom of God. Come on now. Maybe you've been sowing and you're saying, Lord, I have been giving my tithes and offerings faithfully and nothing's happening. Everything happens in seed form. You're planting something, guess what? Sooner or later, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Amen? That's the way it is. Even in the, your relationship, for example, your marriage, you're probably wondering, Lord, kailan magbabago tong asawa ko? Grabe! Kunin mo na siya! You're asking, you're praying, Lord, wow! Guess what? It's unnoticeable. It's unremarkable. It's unimpressive. There's slow growth, but something's happening inside that marriage. Amen? Maybe some of you are singles here. Lord, wala pa nangyayari. 35 years old na ako. It's unremarkable. It's unimpressive. It's slow. It's in seed form. But my question is, what are you doing with your seed? Are you planting the seed in good ground? Don't worry if you're a single woman or a single man. Maybe that girl or that boy is probably a man right now already, okay? Huwag naman siyang grade school pa lang, di ba? Lord, medyo college na sana, parang ganun, di ba? So, it's, it's, you know, and that's the way the kingdom of God is. Even when you exercise, how many of you are into fitness? Maybe you're running or you're biking or you're going to the gym and here you are, you're always going to the gym. Parang, wow, wala nangyayari. Lord, iba lumalaki sa akin eh. Mid-section. Seed form. Unremarkable. Unimpressive. Slow growth. Amen. Come on out. That's the way the kingdom of God works. You don't see it right now. And even with our nation, can you imagine? How many of you have voted for our president? Don't raise your hand, okay? 
We have a very popular, unpopular president right now. Or an unpopular, popular. I don't know how you say that. But, you know, either you love him or you hate him. And sometimes you look at what he's doing and, Wow, Lord! Mali yung sinabi niya. You always listen to the news. You go to GMA or abs or maybe CN. Can you imagine? Nasi CNN na tayo, mga kapatid. We're always saying, wow, bidin na naman ang mga Pinoy, CNN na tayo, wow. Don't even look at what you see in the natural because the kingdom of God is happening at the background. There's something that's happening in our nation right now. Amen. It's unnoticeable. It's unremarkable. It's unimpressive. There's a slow growth. There's a slow transformation because I believe God is faithful with His promise when He said He will prosper this land. Amen. Because there is a redemptive call of God in the nation of the Philippines. Amen. We don't see it in the out. Don't be scared with what you see with your own natural eyes. The kingdom of God is so subtle. You don't even notice it. The different kingdoms of this world, when they attack, they attack, they divide, they conquer. The Babylonian Empire, the Roman Empire, the Chaldean Empire, the Assyrian Empire, they attack and they conquer. But the kingdom of God is different. It doesn't attack. It doesn't divide. It doesn't conquer. It plants itself in the system like a virus. And it changes you from the inside out. There's transformation from within. Amen. That's the way the kingdom of God works. You don't see it right now with your natural eyes. But something is happening right now where we are. In your finances, in your workplace, in your health. As long as we let Jesus rule and reign over our lives, He is King, He is Lord, guess what? In His dominion, there is perfection. Amen. Praise God. That's the way the kingdom of God is. Job chapter 8, verse 7 says, And though your beginning was what? Small. Your latter days will be what? Very great. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Some of you need to hear this right now. You are sometimes uh, impatient. Or many times we are impatient. Lord, we want things to happen right now. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. It's slow. It becomes very fast. But the impact will be great. Small beginnings, but not insignificant. Great growth. And there's influence. Luke chapter 13, verse 19b. And it talks about the mustard seed. You know, how can this small seed have a great impact where it is planted? And it grew and became a what? A tree and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. It didn't just become a tree. It became a blessing in the garden. If the kingdom of God is in you, you will be a blessing wherever you go. People would like to hang out with you. People would like to hear your voice. People would like to just say, Can you be my friend? There's something different about you. You know why? Because the kingdom of God is with us. And we become a blessing to many. And that's how it goes. From the mustard seed to the yeast, there is something transformational that happens from the inside out. Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 23, it says, On the mountain heights of Israel, there is a prophetic word about this scripture that we're reading. He said, I will plant it. 
And I will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. And they will find shelter in the shade of its branches. It's been prophesied that you and I will be a blessing wherever we go. Amen. That's our destiny. By God's design, the kingdom will come and give the Lord praise. You know, how did this church really start? Not victory, but the church of Jesus. When he founded this, he had three years of the disciples. With that three years, away pa sila ng away. You know, they were always confronting one another. They said, I want to be the greatest, and I want to be the best, and I want to be on your right, I want to be on the left. And then, he died, he rose again from the dead, finally, he went back to heaven. And this is 100, after uh, a few years, 120 believers in the upper room with a very young church. How did this young church survive? Small beginnings. This 120, they didn't have internet during that time. There's no Instagram, there's no Facebook. They didn't advertise, you know, uh, new church, uh, attend the meetings, you know, powerful preacher by Peter the Great, something like that. There's no, you know, they didn't have that. They didn't have nice buildings like we have, when people just come to the mall and you can actually go to church. They didn't have air condition, and they didn't have cushion chair. They didn't have carpet, you know. There, there's nothing like that. In fact, the very first uh, church found, according to some archaeologists, is the, uh, found in, uh, was found in Dura Europos. And uh, this is actually uh, found in uh, Euphrates in the year 231 AD. The very first church. Normally, they would meet from house to house. And they, this is not the secret of church growth. The secret of church growth really is the seed planted in the hearts of the believers. And can you imagine the numbers just very quickly? In the year 40 AD, there were estimated to have to, to, to be 1,000 believers. By the year, by, by, by uh, this is by decade, 50 AD, 1460 AD, 1960, 70, 827, 838. You go down to 350 AD, they estimated 33 million point eight believers. How many is our population nowadays? Seven billion people all over the planet. And now they're saying that one out of three persons in the world is now a Christian. It all started with 120 people in the upper room. Amen. Small beginnings, great growth, and influencing the world. Now 2.3 billion people in the world are saying we're Christians. But guess what? There is still work to be done. But how many of you know that the Bible says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Amen. It's not going to stop. It's going to continue growing. We're going to conquer and we're going to see all the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. Amen. That's really what our destiny is. Even our movement started very small. We started Victory in 1984 in a small uh, tandem cinema basement uh, stinky place. It, there's sewerage all around. Can you imagine if there are pipes from the sewerage while you're worshiping? You don't know if it's the aroma of God or a different kind of smell. I mean, that was our humble beginnings then. We were a poor church. You know why it's poor? Because our offerings then was heavy. Puro barya. And, the, you know, the, somehow the, the bank 
do not like us every Monday morning because you know, ah, ito na naman, bibila na naman, victory. Anyway, but as we for, you know, move forward, God blessed our ministry. Amen. Because it started in small beginnings. Now we have 15 congregations in Metro Manila, 31 locations here. We have 85 churches around the provinces, more than 100 churches in the Philippines and counting. We're about to church by next year, uh, plan a church next year in, uh, in Paranaque here in Manila and plus uh, several more. Uh, we're planting more provincial churches. We're going to plant a church in Boracay soon. Maybe some of you are called there. You know, uh, and, and you know, I believe everything in this world about the kingdom of God, it all starts from insignificant smallness. But it doesn't remain small. In the latter, it will become big. Amen. And again, he said, to what shall I compare? The kingdom of God is like leaven or yeast that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. I was asking my wife, what's the secret of yeast? And she explained, a yeast is actually a living microorganism. <gasps> really? I thought it's kind of like flour. Flour is dead. It's just like, you know, it's like a powder. But yeast is alive. It's a living microorganism. That if you put it in a, even with 60 pounds of flour, it will make that dough rise because it is alive. That's the secret of that yeast. You know, and as I was... Uh, looking for some illustration. I found actually there's a bakery in San Francisco. Uh, its name is Budin Bakery. And the yeast that they're using is actually, guess how old the yeast is? 167 years old. The original yeast was actually uh, mixed in 1849 in this bakery. And they're still using the same mother dough right now. When they bake tomorrow, it comes from that same batch of dough that they started in 1849. Amazing. <laughs> because the yeast never dies. In fact, in the great earthquake of San Francisco in 1906, when there was fire all over the city of San Francisco, the owner of the bakery went to the bakery to save not the cash register nor the the oven, but the mother dough. She risked her life to go inside the bakery just to be able to get the mother dough. And guess what? She was able to get a little of the mother dough, but that was enough for the business to be continued for another hundred years. Amen. And guess what? Until today, they still bake the most delicious sourdough bread in San Francisco that came from the original batch of that yeast mixed in 1849. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a yeast that works its way into the lump and basically it takes over the place. Amen. And that's who we are. We are the church, and you are the mustard seed, and you are the yeast. And when you go to your office tomorrow, and when you go to church tomorrow, guess what? You are impacting that lump of classmates that you have, even if they're not Christians, guess what? Because you are the yeast. You don't need much. All you need is just one. You and God equals majority. And if you are there, and if you're saying, God, use me wherever I go, I will impact society wherever I am. You may actually be a doctor in a hospital. You may be a fitness uh, professor. You may be whatever you are. You may be uh, in a call center, whatever it is. Okay? Uh, you, uh, you can actually uh, you know, be a clerk in your office. But if you are 
a Christian, I believe that God will use you to impact that office. Amen. Come on now. Because we are salt and light. We are the mustard seed that will actually be a blessing to many. And we are this yeast that can make an impact in our society. This kingdom has eternal impact. Not only does it start small, not only does it have great impact and influence wherever it goes, ultimately, this will all come to an end. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is coming back one day. Amen. In His second coming, He will bring with Him the full manifestation of the kingdom of God. And guess what? You and I are part of that. We're just waiting. We know that right now, we're not yet perfect. We are work in progress. But the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The prophetic word that happened with the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, with the book of Revelation, chapter 11, it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there was loud... There were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. Amen. Come on now. That is our destiny. The kingdom in this world, no matter what kind of you know, political party that is, it may be a democratic party or it may be a communist thing, it may be a socialist or a fascist thing, guess what? The kingdom of this world will ultimately become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. We will win. That is our destiny. Jesus reigns in all area of our life. Amen. He reigns over all the earth, over the heavens, in your life, in your marriage, in your office, in your finance, in your job, in your health, in everything that we do. In God's kingdom, small beginnings will have great impact of growth. Small beginnings will have great impact and growth. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. Jesus is the ultimate example of small to great. Born in a manger, from a poor family in a small town, son of a carpenter, despised by men, killed and put to trial illegally or unethically, died on the cross a shameful death, yet he defeated Satan. And He redeemed for Himself a people who were called by His name to be part of the kingdom that He has prepared in advance for us so that we can rule and reign with Him forevermore. Amen. Can we just give the Lord one more praise this afternoon?